Lord Jesus, we pray that we will set our hearts towards you and give you all the praise and the honor in our lives. Come close to us by your word and speak to us clearly, we ask, as we look at your scripture and ask us to reveal your heart as we move towards communion together in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite our dear ushers to come forward and take up our tithes and offerings. Opportunity for us to give. I want to say thank you again for those of you who supported the youth fundraiser. And of course, for those of you who know, I cycled and, and canoed all the way down to Osoyas. Uh, we raised uh, well over $33,000, uh, which is... Um, Fantastic. So um, what I'd love to do is, for a moment, uh, I'm going to read some scripture to you. If you're visiting, we are on a journey, and that journey is uh, uh, working our way, because it's summer, lots of people are away, you've been on holiday, you're going on holiday, indeed, uh, you're traveling all over this great nation. I've just returned from Saskatchewan. I know how to have a good holiday. Um, uh, I'll tell you more about that in a few moments for our lovely um, uh, immigrants from Saskatchewan who are with us. Um, But uh, Joshua chapter 1. We've been looking at the life of Abraham, uh, looking at the life of Jacob. We looked at the life of Joseph. We looked at the life of Moses. And each weekend, because summer is summer, we try and deal with one Bible character and try and pull out a nugget and give you an overview. So if you're visiting, uh, you feel a sense of momentum with the series. And also you can go online and watch uh, the, um, the other series as Pastor Glenn and I have been preaching our way through this. But Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, I love that line, by the way. Moses is dead, and he says, um, he calls him the servant of the Lord. When you die, how do you want to be remembered? I would love to be remembered as the servant of the Lord. That I am uh, God's servant and the servant of the Lord is with me. And the servant, he is there that he looks at me and those glorious words of well done you good and faithful servant. The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all the people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. To the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon to the great river the Euphrates, or the Hittite country, and the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Israelites only ever managed that uh, under the reign of David and Solomon, that particular geography. No one will be able to stand against all of you the days of your life. 
As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right to the left and you may successful in wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will prosper and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Fabulous scripture, isn't it? Fabulous scripture. A a picture and an image, a chapter one, describes the great moment of moving forward. What I want to do is explain to you, and let me not underestimate the reality of of the story of Joshua and his movement from wilderness slavery into the promised land as the most glorious image of our own spiritual walk as people that have been in slavery. We have known the the journey of wilderness and we are moving towards the promise of God's rest and we are living in the promises of all that Christ has achieved. In fact, Joshua, the very name, is the connected to, the, of course, the word Jesus, the saviour of the people. And there is that sense here that there is Joshua and Jesus are so amazingly connected as we look at this and think about it. And he won a great victory. They've been waiting for 40 years for this moment. And so if I'm going to make a couple of points as I step into this message, the first point I'd really like to make to you is this, that a choice had to be made and victories to be won. This was a moment of great choice. This was a moment where they had missed it 40 years before and given in to fear, given in to the giants, given in to the fortified cities. But now they're at this moment and this moment deals with a, a choice now has to be made. Are we going to move in? Are we going to stay at the border? Are we going to keep wandering around in the wilderness? What are we going to do? We have a choice to make. The choice is this. Do we move in and conquer the land and take the promise? Or do we stay as a wandering people to become nothing? You always have a choice. You know that, and I do. Do you just want your Christianity to be fine? Do you just want your Christianity to be okay? Or do you want your Christianity to the very best that it can be? See, if you're willing to step in and say, yes, I am willing, we have a choice, of course. And often I meet Christians, and and the the frightening thing is, is that the Western church is full of people that gather in church that worship a God that they really do not know. Do you know God? 
Is your Christian faith just okay? Or is it the best it can possibly be? Because God's heart is this, that you step into the promised land and your Christian walk is the best that it could possibly be. How are you doing with that? How am I doing with it? See, there's choices to be made. And the first choice you and I can make is I choose to engage with my Savior as deeply and as much as I possibly can. I choose. Why? Because there are battles to be fought and there are victories to be won. And I am serving the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. That we step into this battle. But the problem is that many of us linger around the border. And what keeps us at the border is often fear. Often what keeps us at the border is that, oh, you be normal, don't have those dreams. Oh, you live this life, don't, don't believe that kind of, don't go for that, don't, don't sell out for God, don't give everything to Jesus, you know. And we live at the border, and when you stay at the border, it is fear that keeps you at the border at that time. Fear keeps you there. Fear kept the nation there 40 years earlier. Fear put Moses into the grave where his bones are now going to travel, but not him as a person. They missed it. They missed it because they believed fear. They believed the bad reports. They doubted the power of God, even though God had been with them, and how foolish they were to not step into all that God has for them. How foolish we are when we allow our Christianity to be mediocre, when we allow our passion for Jesus to be dull, when we allow the cares of the world to rob us of the joy of our salvation. They need to get in. They need to cross the border. They need to go for all that God has and God will greet them. He will be with them. I went to Saskatchewan to preach uh, for seven days in a barn, a good place to preach, on a camp. And I traveled a long way, 14 hours straight drive. Well, on the way out, Josiah and I went, my nine-year-old, we went together. We had a road trip in our Buick, my Buick, the Buick, eh? truly a pastor's car that is ugly. And... And I, we traveled and we stopped off at Drumheller. We went and saw the dinosaurs. We stopped off at Kindersley and saw nothing. We stopped off at Rosetown and we visited the Dairy Queen. It doesn't get better than that. And we had a lovely two-day drive out. And then I preached every morning to a packed hall. And, and, then, on the, uh, and then I drove home. 14 hours straight. Now that's Canadian. Oh, I longed for those borders. I was in Saskatchewan and it just kept giving and giving. <laughs> and then I said, look, Josiah, the most exciting moment, Alberta. Away. Loved it. We had a great time, by the way, if you're from Saskatchewan. We were jack fishing and caught 
Northern Pike. It was fabulous and, and glorious and wonderful as that great, great province is. And into Alberta, hey, we've crossed the border. Yes, no more lingering, no more fear, no more anything. Let's keep going and oh, kept going and dropped down onto Stony Trail and bypass Calgary. Hallelujah. And <laughs> happiness is Calgary. In your rearview mirror. And so you go around. That's sorry. It can be used for anywhere. Uh, and then on, and then we're heading and heading until finally, yes, that great and glorious moment, British Columbia, greeted by the mountains, greeted by the border. Um, you know, it was a wonderful feeling to drive into Kelowna and see Kelowna and see the sign and to pull up and be, be greeted by my wife with her arms wide and, and loving. And I'm making that bit up because it was 2 a.m. in the morning and she was asleep. <laughs> We're all on a journey. We've all got to cross borders. We've all got to make a decision whether we're going to make the right choice and there's battles to be won. And he's going to go on from this great chapter one to declare, yes, yes. You see, we have to secondly live in confidence and the victory and the promises of, of God. Step out. This is a confidence chapter. It is a chapter that declares, yes, we're going to go for it. We Be courageous. Be strong. Believe God. Go for this. Christianity needs a courageous heart. He needs a heart that Joshua is going to go and he's going to send the spies out again into Jericho and he's going to meet Rahab. He's going to come back. They're going to step into the waters, chapter 3 of the Jordan, and the Jordan is going to stop. They're going to bring out stones in chapter 4 and build a great remembrance, pile of 12 stones. They're going to uh, circumcise the people because for oh, men, a whole generation of men had not been circumcised. Not a pretty thought. And then they would then he would meet the angel of the Lord and begin the battle to go to Jericho. You need confidence and courage to be a Christian today. We need that confidence and that strength to hold on to the promises of God. To hold on to what God said to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. That God spoke and now Joshua, this momentous moment, they're going to cross into the promised land. It's a story of a courageous leader who has been with a mighty prophet, Moses, who is now holding on to the promise and living, living in the confidence that God is able to bring them through, that God is going to do mighty things, that God is going to give them, give them the promised land, give them the promised land that he, he has spoken about, has been prophesied. 
But they've got to fight every way. They've got to stare out. They've got to have that confidence that God is with them. And for many of us, we lose our Christian confidence. We face battles and enemies in our lives. But it comes to us, we have to be able to hold on to the promises of God and have that confidence at work within our lives and say, you know what? I'm going to keep going in this Christianity. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to push on to the promise because if God said it, I believe it and he will do it. And my faith and salvation is at the core of who I am and I'm going to show this courage to push forward. Ask the Lord to give you courage. I guess the third thing we can notice is that he had vision. So if the first one is about making right choices to cross the border, the choices we make affect the kind of Christianity we live in and have. If the second one is about the courage to hold on to the promises, the third point is about a vision of a larger, richer blessing to come. This leader needed a vision of what God could do, a vision of something great to take place, a vision of his blessings. He would stand there and gaze right out to the sea in the Mediterranean, to the land of Lebanon, across the Euphrates, from where the sun rises and the sun sets. He could look and see, and say, if God has given us a great and rich inheritance, we've got to see it. We've got to step into it. We've got to be willing to reach out. And often what the Lord wants to do is change our vision. Because our vision of what God can do in our world and in our life can be so small that we forget what a promise and what a blessing Christ is in our lives. And so they sent the spies in, in chapter 2, and they saw Rahab. But when they came back, they reported yes, but this time there was no going back. There was no fear. They were going to go and they were going to take the land. And the fourth thing is this. Stepping into God's mighty rest. Of course, Hebrews chapter 4 talks about this. Stepping into God's rest. Stepping into his, his salvation. Knowing the rest of God in our lives. That is a most glorious picture. And, and I know that when I looked at these four points in prayer, and I've taken 10 minutes to run through them, and you know me, I could take, I could take 40 minutes to run through these. And I looked at these, and I prayed about these, and I knew... There has to be more here. Yes, the story is about stepping in to the promise. Yes, the story is about winning battles. Yes, the story is about holding on to past promises like our lives. Yes, the story is about is about living in the rest, in the peace, in the knowledge that God is able. And Hebrews says, do not follow their example of disobedience as they moaned and groaned and they grumbled. So what is Joshua's defining moment? Said to the Holy Spirit... Okay, do I preach a glorious message about victory, about promise? Do I tell everybody this morning that you can step into the promised land? Do I tell you that the promises are there for you? 
And yet I know your lives. I know some of you are battling with sickness. I know some of you are battling with family pain. I know some of you economically are struggling at the moment with the changes in economies. I know that some of you have deep hurts and wounds because of the way life has turned out. And, and should I just preach a victorious sermon and tell you it's all going to be okay? And Joshua won the land and you will win the land and everything's going to be great which I could do and would do because the final victory is in Jesus. But I said, what is the answer here? What is the answer? How is it that Joshua achieved all of this? Where and how does one step in to the victory and the promise and the winning the battles? How do we step in? What is the key to all of this? You might not like the answer this morning. You might not like the answer. But the answer is fully biblical. When you look at the story of Joshua, the most powerful defining moment for Joshua is this moment. Chapter 5, and it's not on the notes because when I sent these notes through, I hadn't spent a day in prayer and wrestled with this. But the defining moment is this. So get ready. Chapter 5 and verse 13. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked him, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence. And asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The key to winning the promised land is death. There's a number of graves and deaths in this story. There is the death of Moses, the servant, and the grave, and the bringing of Moses, and so on and so forth, of the story. There is the death of walking into the waters of Jordan in, the, in that period of time. Jordan was about 100 feet wide, but you would, at this time of year, it could be up to a mile wide with the floods. And, and they had to step into the water. And of course, Jordan speaks of baptism. It speaks of new beginnings. It speaks of taking the Ark of the Covenant into the water, stopping the water as far up as Adonai, and down, uh, flowing down towards the Dead Sea. Paul Pausing, as it were, in the waters and, and dying and standing there and trusting. And, and centuries later, Jesus himself would stand in the same waters and be baptized. And we would be commanded to walk into the waters of baptism, of death, of giving everything up. That's why you should be baptized. Because it's an outward expression that you will no longer live. But Christ that lives within you. And I have died 
to Christ and I will rise with him on the, on the, on the day of resurrection again. Water's a baptism. There's the death, the experience of death for all of the men in, in Israel who hadn't been circumcised for decades and now the time of circumcision came. I think that was a moment of real sacrifice and death. But there's a moment here when Joshua had to get the right thing right. He had to die. What do I mean by death? Well, he had to give up himself and realize that it's not about him, but it's about God. Look at these words. He says, are you for us or our enemies? Neither, he replied. What an amazing answer. Neither. I mean, if this had been uh, Egyptian ancient writing, they would have said, we are with you, mighty Pharaoh. You are the best looking and the strongest and the fairest and you can smite your enemies. If this had been Assyrian writing, it would have been the same or Hittite writing. But they use the word neither. I mean, Joshua could have turned around and gone, Okay, that's encouraging. I've come all this way, 40 years, out of Egypt, and the angel of the Lord appears to me, and you say to me, who are you for? You're going to say, I'm with you, Joshua, and we're going to lop their heads off, and we're going to win the victory, and you say, neither. You see, the angel of the Lord is neither for Joshua or for the enemies, The angel of the Lord is for the Lord. This is the death moment. Because he's standing there, the glorious angel of the Lord. And of course, many of us who are Christ-centered, Christology, see this as Christ standing right there. And he's saying, listen, listen. It's not about you, Joshua. It's not about your fame. It's not even about the nation's fame. It's not about the great victories you're going to win. It's about me standing and always doing 100% God's will. God first. God number one. I serve God. I'm the, the commander of the armies of the Lord. And my will is to do the will of the Father. And only the will of the Father is what I am called to do. Suddenly Joshua gets it. Suddenly he sees it, that it's not about his fame. It's not about about even all of the great words. It's about God himself, 100% God. It's about the sovereign Lord. It's about the sovereign will of God. And when you get this right, for as the apostle taught, I no longer live, but Christ that lives in me. As he spoke, for I am crucified with Christ. I'm dead. I've been buried in baptism. I've given my life up. And when you die to yourself, you can see the promises of God come. When you lay everything down and you say it's about God, not about me, then you can see God's great deliverance. When you lie on the floor with your your face before the sovereign, mighty, creator, living God, and you die to yourself, you will rise because you will win battles, not because 
because of your greatness, but because Christ is great. That's exactly the key. And he had to die at that moment. And this is his death moment. You see, one of the most frightening things in our Western churches today is the that we feel entitled. God becomes almost, and I'm not against this, so let me talk extreme and then I'll balance it. God becomes our little... He gives us what we want. I'm entitled to this. You know, I can, I can ask God and God will do this. And, and we're very blasé about our relationship with God. We can become very, um, very uh, I, you know, I, I ask this and I, I, I feel entitled. And, 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 and of course, God will do this for me. And, and even people have developed a whole uh, theology and, and, and Christian philosophy around, well, if I want it, God loves me so much, then I will get it. It's called prosperity. And, and if, I, if I say this, then I'll achieve it. And if I do this, and I'll achieve it. And they can, I, I, I've hung around with people. And, and it's, it becomes like God becomes your bidding. God becomes, you know, you say it, it'll happen. God becomes your little pet. Listen, you can't tame the Lion of Judah. You've got to learn to die. You see, it's about willing to say, Lord Jesus, it's your mercy and your justice. I've come into your presence. I don't deserve anything. I'm a wretched sinner and I lay my life before you and I choose to die and my will is to do the will of the Father. My heart is to fulfill your heart. My calling is to follow your words. My life is to be obedient to you. My desire is to please you, Sovereign Lord. And when you start to look at it that way, boy, you're dying to self and you can truly live in the presence of God's Spirit. See, Oprah said she was raised an evangelical, strong Christian background, but she said, I rejected the Christian God because I could not serve a God who desired to control me, and I had to give everything to that God. I'm sorry. The God we serve is sovereign. He's the king of all creation. He's the Lord of lords. He's the mighty Lord. He's, the, he's, the, he's, the, he's our rock. He's our salvation. He's our fortress. He's the God that, that spoke the universe together. And that he has given me life. And I will fall on my face before the living God. And I will die to myself because he is my sovereign Lord. And I give everything to him. And so he's on his face. 
So he's got his shoes off. So he's meeting the servant of the Lord who says neither. It's not about your glory or this glory. It's about God's glory. And you'll win the land because of God's mighty story. You'll win the land because of God's glory. You'll win the land. And I want to encourage you. He then says these beautiful words. What message does my Lord have for his servant? And the Lord then speaks to him. He says, do this. March around the city. Do it in silence. Day after day. Get the trumpets ready. Blow the trumpets. Give a mighty shout. But do what I tell you to do. Don't do it the way they used to do it in the ancient world. Do it my way because I'm the Lord and it's about me. So they'll always remember that the taking of the promised land and the stopping of Jordan and the dying of, uh, of Joshua to himself was down to the glory of God because all the glory belongs to God. It does not belong to you, mighty leader. So listen. Be obedient. It's hard to die to self. It's hard to give it all up. It's hard to redefine your Christianity. It's hard to find yourself on the floor and realize that it's no longer about you, but it's about God. But the more you die and a seed goes into the ground, the more my first four points can apply to you. When I'm dead to myself, fear has no power over me anyway. And there are victories to be won and battles to be won, but I'm not winning them. God's winning them on my behalf. I'm his servant. When I hold on to his promises that he gives me, it's not for my glory, but it is for his glory. When I have a vision of the land, of all that God can do, the rich blessings and God's working, I don't want to do it for, his, for my glory, my riches. I want it for Jesus, his riches, his Glory, treasures in heaven. This is where we die, because he died. And I want to invite you at this moment as our servers take position to now pray. Oh, there's a great victory in Christ Jesus in our salvation. But it all flows out of putting the sovereign Lord first in our lives and dying to ourselves. Friends, pause. Search your heart. Have you died to yourself today? Are you willing to give up your rights for the will of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? 
whatever it may face in the future, are you willing to say, Jesus, number one? Jesus, you are the one. Lord, I pray that you will help us to give all of our lives in these moments of preparation, even as those of you who are seated below come forward, see yourself walking into the Jordan. Remind yourself of your baptism commitment when you died to self and you lived for Christ. Remind yourself that you're not entitled. Remind yourself that you are loved by his mercy and grace. And you are welcomed as a child of God. And you are loved. But that is precious. So Lord, help us to die to ourselves. Even now I ask.